Okay, let's go to our final guest of the show today. And it's it's one of these events that have, one of these sports that have just, it started small and just became ridiculously huge. EFC, Extreme Fighting Championship. It's been around since 2009 now. The largest MMA promotion company in Africa. Let's talk to the president, Cairo Howarth, uh, uh, EFC president, Cairo. Cairo, good chatting to you. Thanks for joining us. Great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. When EFC started, it was almost like an underground kind of event. I remember, I don't know who <laughs> I would have spoken to, but when it, it, I spoke to somebody and there's going to be this fighting championship and there are no rules. It, it seems strange <laughs> that it would, would catch on, and yet here we are many, many years later. Yeah, I mean, I honestly don't think it's strange, which is why we started it 12 years ago. <laughs> you know, we, we saw the, the, I'll use the word business opportunity, the opportunity for the sport that was exploding globally. Uh, it's just so exciting to watch. It was obviously a, a new sport back then, 25 years ago, or whatever it was, yeah. uh, when it was kind of kicking off. But we saw it exploding in the States, exploding in Europe, Asia, South America, and there's no reason it's not going to be just as popular in Africa, which is why we, you know, we started promoting that back in 2009, and it's just been, you know, it's been flying ever since. How popular is EFC now? It's, it's more watched now than it's, than it's ever been. Um, we have a fantastic distribution of our content, really. Um, you know, over the years, that's the one thing that, that has changed and evolved is just the way we distribute our content to people. So, you know, there's so many different ways that fans can watch the show, can watch the fights. Um, obviously, you can come to a live event, but that's a tiny part of, of the actual audience. The real audience is on television, and we're on paid television, plus we're on free-to-air television on SABC. Plus, we're on the biggest free-to-air TV stations across Africa, so the SABCs of you know, pretty much every African country. Um, and then we broadcast the television across the world, from the States to South America to Europe to Asia. Um, and then we've got a comprehensive social media um, distribution strategy and online distribution strategy. I think that's what we've really seen uh, a really big uptick in more recently, specifically on Facebook. We've been getting some massive record numbers um, from a viewership point of view, minutes viewed on our on our content. So it's more popular today than it's ever been, and it's just mm. growing, growing month by month. I think the big thing that you guys do so well is is the promotion. You you turn events into or, or turn a fight into events. It's a reason to go and see it. You the the names of the guys are fantastic. The the it it's just so different from boxing. Yeah, uh, you know, that's that's our job, effectively. Yeah, we are promoters. We fight promoters. You know, there's, you can have the two best fighters in the world if they're going to fight each other tomorrow. But if, you, if no one knows about it or why it's interesting, mm. then, then, then it's, like, it's like a tree falling in the woods when no one's around. You know? <laughs> so it, it makes no difference. Did it even happen? Um, so yeah. our job is, yes, to find these exciting fights and athletes, to put them up against each other, and then to tell people why it's so exciting and why they need to watch that. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we do that well. Like we said, we've got fantastic media partners which assist with it, um, and we really just put the stories out there for these amazing athletes. They really are very interesting. They come from different backgrounds. There's so many, so many exciting personalities in the sport, um, and we mm -hmm. just profile them and showcase them, and then then put on a good show. How is the sport changed from when you started? Like I said, it, it was semi underground, but now it's it's not. Had, has the sport itself changed? The actual sport hasn't changed at all, so to speak. You know, it's like rugby or soccer. The, the rules are exactly mm. the same. Just the, 
just the gravitas of it has changed. Like you said, it was pretty grungy and underground when we did start. No, none of the fans knew what it was. Uh, none mm. of the media knew what it was. We didn't have any sponsorship. Our corporates, you know, knew what knew what it was or wanted to get behind it. Uh, so it's taken this last decade has certainly grown that a lot. You know, now we are as the word mainstream. We've got you know mainstream brands supporting the sport and sponsoring and utilizing it to to get their brand out there to our mm. massive audience. Uh, we've got, obviously, all the fans know what it is now. It used to be called cage fighting and you know, underground fighting, <laughs> yeah. and no rules fighting and whatever. Now it's, oh, mixed martial arts, MMA or EFC. Um, everyone now knows the Conor McGregor's of the world. You know, that, mm. that type of stuff really took the sport bigger and bigger. Um, the UFC from the States has done an exceptional job of, of promoting the sport as a whole. And it's just grown exponentially over the last decade. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's much, our, our job is much easier in many ways now. We don't have to educate people on, on what this is anymore. We just need to just showcase the great athletes that we have and provide the content to them and put it in front of them and make it accessible. The reason I asked if the sport has changed is the, the way the athletes approach it. I think in the old days, it was a boxer who kind of did EFC because they were a boxer. And then there was a, a judo, a karate guy who did it. Yeah, that's what they were good at. It's now yes. you're an EFC or an MMA fighter. That's, that's what you are. That's actually, sorry, you have hit the nail on the head there. You're 100% right. And especially in, in African mixed martial arts, what we're seeing now is the true generation of mixed martial MMA athletes, not a boxer that came, you know, transcended or changed over from, from karate or boxing or judo into MMA. And I'll give you a perfect yeah. example. A week ago, we had um, EFC 94, and headlining the fight card, um, there was a, uh, actually, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll rewind a bit. It's a bit of a long story, but it's worth it. So, <laughs> so, Take your time. But, uh, at our first event that we had at Carnival City in 2010, uh, we were the first show we had there. There was an entertainment manager at Carnival City at the time, was a guy called Yaku Simon. And he said to me, oh, We signed our deal, we're having the event. And he said, Can he have a few tickets for his family? I said, Sure, we have like four or six tickets. Anyway, and he, to the first EFC that we ever had at Carnival City, he brought his eight year old son, and his name was Cameron Simon. And Cameron Simon came and sat and watched his first EFC event. They had never heard of this thing before, watched it, like you said, it was very underground back then, so to speak, you know, mm -hmm. our, our first couple of shows. And this kid Cameron watched this and thought, this is amazing. He watched uh, Soldier Boy fought on that fight card, and he was just like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. I want to do this. So eight years old, Cameron goes, and he starts training martial arts, and then he gets into a gym, and he ends up finding a gym in Pretoria after a couple of years and starts training at Team CIT with Drickus Duplessis. So now this is a, a young kid now training MMA every single day with the likes of Drickus Duplessis and other EFC champions like Rafael Opperman and a whole crew of, of top MMA athletes. Fast forward 10 years from there, Cameron Simon turns 18. He's had a whole bunch of amateur fights. He gets a professional license and he starts fighting at EFC. A couple of years later, now another two years later, Cameron Simon fights for the EFC title last week and wins. So now we've got, wow. we can literally, we've got a 12-year story of Cameron coming <laughs> to his first EFC event, mm. getting into the sport, training MMA with the likes of Drickus, who's our UFC star, you know, EFC champion and our UFC star, working his way up and now becoming an EFC champion. So we've got, we've got African MMA now has its, I'll call its first full generation of MMA athletes mm. that mm. Are, are, are coming through. So you're 100% correct. The sport 
has evolved, certainly in Africa, where it has evolved leaps and bounds from the skill and the, yeah, basically the, the level of athlete that we're now seeing today is, is just unbelievable. I think I was at that first bite about, I think I was invited there. It was a small little thing. Uh, Bad Brad from Big Brother was, was one of the MCs or announcers or something. See, I'm showing my age now. I think I think what you're talking about was even pre EFC because I, 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 I know I know what you're talking about. I went to one of those shows. That was actually even before we had our first event. Our first show on November 2009. I think you went to one about six months before that. Funny enough. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, then let's uh, let's talk about Africa. You keep talking about Africa. There, it, is there a concerted effort for EFC to to find talent across the continent? Absolutely. So we've actually got two full-time, uh, called the matchmakers, talent scouts, matchmakers. That this, all they do all day is, is look at athletes, look through tape, uh, scouting talent. Um, there was the IMF, amateur mixed martial arts championships in Africa recently, where all the African countries sent their uh, teams over to compete, and we're scouting there as well. Uh, so we're looking, constantly looking for athletes from across Africa and around the world, but more so than us even looking for them, they're actually coming to us. So we get about five applications to fight at EFC every single day. So people are phoning us every single day from across Africa and across the world, submitting their tapes, submitting their records, saying, please, can they compete for us? Uh, They want to fight at the show. Um, And yeah, yeah. So yes, we are looking for talent actively, but uh, most talent is actually looking for us. Mm. Yeah, it's reached that point now. Is the sport? It, it looks it looks brutal, Cairo, and it is. And the the things you see on Facebook with the the knee to the head and all those things. What's the safety aspect like at the moment? So it is a contact sport, obviously. Um, it's dangerous mm-hmm. and in compared to you know, ballet, obviously. But so if you compare <laughs> it to something, if you compare it to something like rugby, it's, it's much safer. Statistically. Yeah. Uh, compared to boxing, it's far safer than boxing. So boxing, boxing's got a much worse um, injury rate than mixed martial arts does. So mixed martial mm-hmm. arts is actually, I use the word, relatively safe, and there's two reasons for it. Uh, one is actual rules, um, the way it operates. You know, if you get knocked down in, in MMA, so you don't get a standing pin count like in boxing where they send you back up again and you keep fighting again with a concussion. Mm-hmm. MMA fights often, they get stopped much quicker in those circumstances. And also you often get choked out or tapped out in different ways in MMA. So you don't, in boxing, you basically stand in front of each other, hitting each other in the head for 12 rounds until someone mm. gets knocked down. Uh, MMA actually take a lot less headshots in general. Um, so that's one reason it's quite a bit safer. And the second thing is just the health and safety precautions, uh, procedures that we have in place are exceptionally high. They're world class. Um, I mean, I can run you through what we do when you fight at EFC, and this is stuff that doesn't get done in boxing in Africa at all. Uh, we've got by far the highest safety standards and procedures in any contact sport um, in Africa. Mm. Basically, in the world, bar the UFC, we do more than anyone else does. So when you see two athletes walk into an EFC hexagon, they have firstly, when they first signed up for their fight, they've already gone for a pre-fight MRI and MRA brain scan. So we're looking, literally scanning and looking for pre-existing conditions that could become problems. So we often pull athletes off fight cards um, and, and don't let them compete because we pick up something long prior to their bout that could become a problem. So we're trying to fix it before it becomes a problem. Um, we mm. do 
concussion testing. We have a concussion program that we run, which no other contact sport that we're aware of in the world runs. Um, so we're taking baseline tests of all of our athletes to see if they have concussions when they come into bouts or not, um, which we believe is important. When we do HIV and hepatitis um, tests, obviously, we do a pre-fight medical with everyone. Then when they compete, we've got a full medical file, and every athlete we've got at the show, we've got three trauma doctors, not one, not two, but three. We've got 12 paramedics. We've got advanced life support. We've got two ambulances. We've got down payment sets. We've got a, a partnership with uh, Netcare, the best private hospital group. We've got down payment sets. Sunny Hill Hospital and Mill Park Hospital, which is for P1 patients. We've got neurosurgeons on call. Um, yeah, we basically got everything. So, so, so yes. <laughs> so, you can still get injured. I'm not saying we're taking the yeah. possibility away, but we are certainly, uh, yeah, I mean, we'd, sorry, we even do rehydration testing. So after the wake up, we do rehydration tests the next day to make sure they're hydrated again enough. Um, so, yeah, we, we do as much as we can. We, we still want to do more, and every day we try to work on um, reducing that risk as much as possible, obviously. Um, but certainly it's those type of procedures and uh, things that we do that certainly reduce the risk vastly um, from a total injury point of view. And selecting your athletes. It's not like you're putting a John Herricke in the ring and say, there yeah, you go, get punched exactly, in the head. Exactly. Sorry, that's the other point. Any athlete that you're seeing compete with us has already got a, I'll use the word, a professional license. They've already normally gone through the amateur circuit that you tested, that had fights, you know, they're, they're, they're proficient. So, so exactly like you mm. say, these are, yeah, we're not just picky. They, they fit healthy, they're training for this, they're not just walking in out of a bath, like you say, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. In, the, in the end, part of the appeal, unfortunately, I suppose, of the sport is that it's dangerous. It's kind of like Formula One and kind of like, you know, these things, that's part of the excitement is a, is a risk factor in, in these sports as well. Um, but certainly it is our job to try and reduce that risk as much as we can, which we do, which we do, do exceptionally well. And certainly if you ask me if I, you want my children to play rugby or to do mixed martial arts, they'll do mixed martial arts all day. I think it's way, yeah. way safer. We have way, way fewer injuries. And I'll even give you an example. The first, first time uh-huh. we started with the EFC, we, had, we actually had the, our doctor for our vets was, uh, at the time, he was the head doctor for the Sharks rugby team. And he came to me after like four or five events. He said, geez, Kyle, I was expecting, when you called back for this, I was expecting to be dealing with like the worst injuries ever, you know, like he obviously had this <laughs> preconceived idea. And he said, this is, mm. I deal with worse rugby's, much worse rugby's than my rugby matches with my team that I deal with wow. after your events. He's like, this is uh, like small stuff, you know, and basically what he was saying. Okay, so that that's a good side. What about women in the sport? America, who, ah, forget her name. It should pop into my name. Ronda uh, Rousey, you're thinking of. There we go. She's, she she <laughs> does just about everything at the moment. What what about women locally? Yeah, we got we got plenty plenty great female athletes that compete. Uh, obviously, not as many as the men. It's a smaller smaller divisions, mm-hmm. but we've got some really good, really high quality female athletes. Um, it's really exciting to see the new talent coming through as well. In fact, uh, we'll touch on the Facebook stuff now, but our most popular video that we've ever posted on Facebook was, a, was mm-hmm. one of our females out. So two females that competed. Uh, we put a highlight video of that up on our Facebook page, and it's had, we put it up about 
six, seven months ago, and that video has had over 250 million views on it from Facebook. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's legitimately one of the most watched videos on the planet. Never mind MMA. One of the most watched videos on the planet is one of our female mm. bouts. So, so, there's definitely a lot of interest in the female um, side of the sport, and it's great to see, and we get, it's just going to keep growing. Uh, tell us about those Facebook numbers. It, in a, a little press release you've got here, it's just fascinating, and it's all organic. People, people just love this content. A hundred percent organic, and that's, uh, that's that's the thing. So we started loading up highlights of our videos on Facebook, which actually happened in lockdown time. You know, we weren't doing as much mm. live shows. We're like, well, we've got this great archive, all these great fights we've put on over twelve years. Let's put them on Facebook, cut a cool little three-minute, four-minute highlight video, and put it on. And these videos just took off, uh, just sort of flying um, to the point of in the last five months, we've had one billion minutes of content viewed on our Facebook page. So pretty consistently, <laughs> 200 million minutes watched every single month for five months, which is just it's actually staggering. It's just it's huge. I was talking to a sports agent in London this week about it. I said to him, yeah, it's the most watched Facebook page in Africa because we can't find, we're literally looking, we can't find one that's anywhere near that amount that have people have, people watching that amount of content on the Facebook page in mm. Africa. This guy said to me, he says, are you joking? Not in Africa, in the world. This is one of the, the most watched content in the world at the moment is what's happening on EFC's wow. Facebook page. It's mental. So it's really exciting for us, obviously. It's huge for our brand. Um, it's huge for African mixed martial arts as a whole. And it just kind of shows the popularity of African mm. MMA at the moment and the sport as a whole at the moment. There's just so many people tuning in to watch it and trying to find the content. Um, and it's obviously amazing for all of our athletes because they're just giving this worldwide exposure with literally billions of people um, mm. watching, their, watching their content and, and all of the associated brands and everything. So it's a really exciting time. And you understand when they unfurl the sponsor banners behind the uh, behind the boxes or the fighters <laughs> exactly. before the exactly. ma before the match starts. Yeah, I, I, I mean <laughs> we look at it now, like like our our current UFC partner. So prior to this, I mean, we've got we've got like we mentioned earlier, we've got really good television distribution, which we have had for many years. So so as our background, a TV producer, so we're very strong on television, but we didn't have this digital footprint. And over the last six yes. months, our digital, our Facebook side has just exploded like this. And all of a sudden, our child, we've got these current partners that were head of EFC for many years, and they've been, they pay us to basically integrate their brand into our show and then we promote them, you know, they get our audience. So we're kind of like a media buy for them, if you want to call it that. That's, you know, they pay us money to, <laughs> to access our audience. And all of a sudden, they're happily paying us X amount of money for our, I'll call it our television audience, our, normal, our, our past EFC audience. And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. we've just added an extra 2 billion minutes of their of their brand getting viewed in a year because we've just done mm, 1 billion mm. in five months. So we're going to hit well over 2 billion by the end of the year. So all of a sudden, I'm like, well, you know, what's that worth to your brand now? You're suddenly getting in, <laughs> on, on top of what you were always getting before, which was already awesome value. You're all of a sudden getting an extra, your brand is integrated into our content and 2 billion minutes of it is being watched a year. Like it's, 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 it's fantastic. What is next? You, you've obviously made it through. Uh, we, we're going to take, in fact, we're going to take a break, if you don't mind. We're going to take a break, and you, you've made sure. it through lockdown. And I want to talk about what the future is for EFC. Talking to EFC President Kara Howarth, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit more EFC in a moment. 
Sport Tracks on SAFM with John Kariga. With John Kariga. Talking EFC with the EFC president, Cairo Hawath. Uh, what's next for EFC? What do you guys got planned for the rest of the year? We are pretty on shows monthly currently at the moment. Uh, so every four weeks we, we put on an event, which has been going really, really well. Um, and yeah, we're just continuing to push our, our digital footprint, our expansion plans from a content point of view. Um, but uh, like we mentioned earlier, it's really finding the next upcoming stars, bringing in new talent, mm-hmm. bringing in new new champions from across Africa, from across the globe. Um, but yeah, we certainly took a, a I'll use the word a break, a hiatus over COVID. So it's, it's great to be back again. It's great to be hosting monthly events. And it's just fantastic just to be seeing the response that we've been getting with all of these athletes um, and all of this kind of content that we've been getting out there. And yeah, and it's, and it's now it's also commercializing this new audience that we have. You know, it's it's a, a billion minutes of of, of eyeball time is worth a lot. It's worth a lot of money, to be frank. You know, so now it's that, actually getting it's getting out there in front of brands and saying, "You want to access this kind of audience? Great. Let's let's yeah. talk about a partnership and really and really getting that money flowing into the sport, which just goes back into the athletes. We, the more money that comes into EFC, the more the athletes earn. The better athletes we get, the bigger it gets, and it continues to snowball. Yeah, and, and they start making the money, the, the Conor McGregor-type money. Exactly, exactly. The, the reason Conor McGregor can get paid so much is because the UFC makes so much money. So, you know, if, if the more money <laughs> EFC makes, the more money the athletes earn. It's, it's like any sports organization. The NBA can pay the players so much because they make so much money. So it's good news for all of us. It's great news for the sports in Africa as a whole mm. uh, to see EFC doing so well, to see these kind of audiences because... With these kind of audiences, more money comes into the sport, and then more money, you know, goes all the way around, which is fantastic. We got an uh, Bramoro, one of our regular listeners, wants to know: uh, What age can a non-athlete join the EFC to become a fighter? And do you have EF? Uh, so that's the first one. So, what age do you start training to become an EFC fighter? So, like I mentioned, Cameron Simon earlier, he started at eight, you know, eight, nine, eight, nineteen years old. Uh, you can start training. So, I know kids who are. I mean, I've taken my own children at five, five, and they went to jujitsu for the first time, probably. So, you can you can start training kids young in in combat sports. You know, judo, jujitsu, you know, even boxing classes, uh, all that type of mm-hmm. stuff, and, and MMA as a whole. Um, so you can start training from very young, um, but you can only turn professional at 18 years old. So in South Africa, okay. only when you're 18 can you apply for your professional license. But before that, you can have amateur fights leading up to that. Like, like I mentioned, Cameron Simon earlier, that's exactly what he did. Mm. And Bramoro also wants to know if there's an Africa Cup of Nations in EFC, like soccer. So, so that's actually effectively what EFC is. And, and, and funny to use that exact term, but... Um, you know, I often, when I'm describing what EFC is to a potential partner, I'll say we are we are kind of AFCON, effectively, because we are the top mixed martial artists from across Africa all competing against each other. And then, on top of that, then we bring in athletes from around the world as well. So the majority of our athlete roster is African. I'd say probably 90% of it is from Africa. Only about 10% is from outside of Africa. And um, so we, you know, we pride ourselves on that. So you'll see the best Congolese and Nigerians and South Africans and Zimbabweans and Angolans all fighting against each other at EFC. And it's really interesting to watch because when a 
Nigerian and a South African are fighting against each other. Obviously, the South Africans are supporting the South Africans and the Nigerians yeah. are supporting the Nigerian athletes. But when a Nigerian fights someone from England, the whole of all the Africans are supporting <laughs> the Nigerian. It's awesome. So it's kind of like, so kind of like, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's localized when the Africans are fighting against each other. You get the local support, which is, which is great. And as soon as any African is fighting against anyone from outside of Africa, it's like that. everyone gets together and it's kind of rallies behind the Africans, which is cool. It's been great chatting to you and good luck with the future. And hopefully we'll start seeing millions and millions go in and I'll turn pro when I start training. <laughs> oh, John, yeah, well, listen, I know you, you came to the show a long time ago, but you're welcome to pop, yeah. pop one of our, our live events that we're hosting but, at the moment um, in, in Johannesburg. So it'll, it'll be great to have you there. Hopefully see you soon. I was talking to a female friend of mine the other day and I, 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 she was asking, not a friend, it was somebody I met like the first time. And she asked, like, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I do a sports show. She goes, well, that's nice. And she goes, do you do, you do EFC? Do you guys cover EFC? I was like, from a you know, woman, you, know, you always talk women do netball or ballet or karate. I don't know. EFC, that's the sport. She, she, she sounds like a keeper, John. <laughs> <She's> like... <laughs> awesome. uh, Cara, Hi, great John. chatting to you. Thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks. Tell again soon. All the best. EFC President Karahoa, the EFC is going strong, it seems, yeah, covering the nation and the continent as well, bringing us some fantastic athletes as well.